One, two, ten. Welcome to the Claimant Throne Podcast. Coming on you with infos on writing, recording, and marketing your metal album in 2013. Hey, who is it? <coughs> oh, hello. Welcome to the Claimant Throne Podcast. I'm Cabba, and I'm here as always with my honey darling sitting next to me, who is Ash. Ash. And we've got someone else today as well, who is the female of the band, the one with a puss, and her name is... Jessie. Hello. Hi, Jessie. How are you going? I'm good, thanks. Great to have you here on our brand new couch today, recording the second Blodgecast in uh, luxurious comfort. We're going to start off with a quick interview uh, for Jessie. Uh, how do you enjoy <laughs> the new couch? Uh, it's quite comfy on my tush. Oh, sweet. Oh, this yeah. is a three-part uh, interview, by the way. Yeah. Question two. Uh, what's your favourite Claim of Thrones song? Um, Triumph and Beyond. Why? Like, why that one? It's fun. It's fun to play? Yeah. Okay, interesting. The Red Dead Lodge. Yeah, we are back here for the second time. Uh, the last one was about two weeks ago, and we got all excited last time and started putting on the internet. Uh, our Blodgecast is about to be released, but here we are two weeks later, and it's only just come up now. Um, we had a bit of trouble. We thought it would be quite easy just uploading the audio onto our website at com. And then it would just be a matter of pasting the link into iTunes or something, but it's not that simple. You know, when you sign up to Facebook or MySpace or something for your band, you just log in, create your name, all that, and everything's done for you. Well, this turned out to be quite a lot harder. So there's two types of WordPress, which is what we used for our site. And yeah, it just took us forever to navigate through and coding and all this kind of crap. And end of the day, it took us two weeks to get the thing on iTunes. So if you want anything done in a hurry, just make sure you read heaps of help or ask us what we did yeah ask us we don't charge much even either for our advice no what do we charge at the moment zero dollars our website at www.clinthrunacom um is doesn't have an actual blog feed or anything so i think that was our problem mm. which is why now we have a secondary website um specifically for a blog and a pod uh and that's at www.clinthrun.net and that's where you can find these podcasts it's where you can follow us on your rss feeds and that's where you can log in, read articles and comment on things and whatever you might want us to talk about in upcoming episodes. And yeah, we'll get right onto it. We'll have a great time if you do that. We did get some feedback from the last Blodgecast. Obviously, this is the first time that was the first time we've done it. We're a bit bit of retardos for the first time around and this time so far as well. Yeah, but, yeah, but we, who cares, right? Well, we, we definitely don't care. This is just for fun and, and a bit of an extra sort of way to expose our band without getting naked in front of people. Different type of exposure. And a lot of the feedback we got was, you know, the best bits was when you get questions from Facebook or whatever. So we encourage you to do that. And some of the worst bits was we've heard that it was a bit awkward sounding, that we didn't really know what we were doing and it was hard to listen to. But That's when you take true. that sort of advice from a guy like Amos Polglaze, who <laughs> glazes a lot of poles and is the ultimate of nerds, then you should know not to really listen to that advice properly. <laughs> the latest in the Claim the Throne land is we just had a gig the other night. I read their bludge. Uh, it was really good fun. Uh, one of our, the first big gigs we've had for a while. Um, so I thought we might talk a bit about that and how it went and everything. That was Friday night. And uh, we've recently put up a new article on www.claimthethrone.net. Uh, regarding a 10-step guide on a successful gig, and I thought maybe we could just go over that and relate each of those steps as to what we actually did uh, for the Friday just gone for our show. What do you guys reckon about that, Ash and Jesse? I think that sounds swell. Really? Yeah. Speaking of swell, um, 
point breakdown recording at the moment, aren't we? Yeah, they are. When we will have an interview with Owen over Skype. He records just in his house in Bremen Bay by himself. Hmm. And that's quite a far distance from Perth and from other musicians. So it's pretty interesting. He's just... Yeah, a lot of people are doing it these days. A kind of a one-man band thing. Program drums, play guitar and sing. And yeah, he's doing that. Sounds pretty cool. That is super swell. I read that bludge. So our gig this weekend, um, the first thing we had to do before we could do anything else was to get a date and a venue sussed. And in this instance, uh, we chose the Amplifier Bar, which is in Perth. And one of the best options for metal shows in the city being in that it is a central location. People can get the train there and everything. And yeah, it's easy peasy. It has a reasonably good capacity and there's always a, a good turnout there, even if it's the worst bands in the world. Like Amos Polglaze solo headlining, you'd probably still get a reasonable turnout. It's always fully booked, you know, a good few months in advance, emailing the promoter and, you know, about you know, six months ahead saying we're looking for a gig for this reason and blah, blah, blah. In, in our, our case, we didn't really have a reason, so we told them it was for a website launch and a merch launch. In our case, we've had, yeah, previous big turnouts at that venue, so uh, that works in our favour. I guess if you hadn't played there before, you'd want to tell them, oh, we always pull this many people and we'll, we'll promote hard and everything. And then, um, yeah, they'll book you. Moving on to the next thing is booking a lineup, which can be hard to do in a small place like Perth when there's not too many bands to choose from. Someone's usually got an idea of who they'd like to play with on the next gig that we do, and there's a bit of a discussion about that, and then we go ahead and just try and secure those particular bands. Hmm. We, like, we like to mix it up as well, have a bit of a variety, so we're not always playing with the same people. For sure, and sometimes, I mean, you can have, like, four death metal bands playing at a gig, or sometimes you could vary it up a bit, have different styles, and... Yeah, that can be good or can be bad, but generally results in some different sorts of people attending the gig and a higher possibility of a good turnout, which is tops. In in this case, on Friday, we had uh, ourselves, Advent Sorrow, Nails of Imposition and Death Dependence. So that's uh, us. Then there's a black metal band, a death metal band and a traditional Megadeth-style band. And we didn't purposely try and get different sorts of bands. I think it was just what bands do we like at the moment, what bands are pulling decent crowds, what bands promote hard and what bands have good eggs as band members. You don't want any dicks rocking up, so we chose them. And, um, yeah, I guess in our case we wanted to headline, we wanted to have our own show as a sort of big comeback thing, but sometimes if you're not as a bigger band, you might want to book someone who can headline the show and then you play second last or whatever. And one thing we've found is you don't want to book too many big name bands you end up forking out too much money in in that regard and hard to meet everyone's demands and everything so yeah one or two bigger bands a couple bands to op- who are happy opening up but still promote hard and are looking to get exposure and everything and i think it worked out well in our case on the weekend it was quite a good gig a bit varied everyone helped each other out shared gear and changeovers were good and big crowd for all the bands good so. sound Good sound. Something I see quite a bit is that newer bands and bands who are wanting to play bigger shows, when they book a gig, they try and get the biggest band they possibly can. So often we and other bands at similar level to us get asked to play the show and then find out that there's also interstate bands and uh, other sort of name bands that do demand a bit of bit of cash their way. When you're booking interstate bands, you've got to be aware that they have flight costs and then the band needs to be paid, plus they need accommodation and all these extra things. So a local band can only pull so many people. But if you have to just load up all your funds one way, then it sort of makes it a bit hard for the lineup to work out. Yeah, certainly consider your budget before you start um, booking bands and, and everything. Um, do up a bit of a worksheet and figure out, you know, how much all your expenses are going to be and how much you're planning on making from the show and, and divide it up uh, appropriately from there. 
uh, and that's what leads to um, putting together an actual uh, worksheet, something that you're going to email out to all the bands playing. Um, preferably, I like to do it before the show's even announced, just to make sure the communication is correct across all bands and everyone knows the deal, because the last thing you want is announce a gig and then some bands don't even know what the conditions and everything are, and then they pull out and blah, blah, blah. So good to... Which we've also had as well, where you get, have, yeah. you get announced on a lineup before you've actually nutted out the finer details and yeah. it turns out you don't know oh, who else is playing you don't know what you're getting paid you don't know anything not only that but sometimes we say um like that's obviously a main thing but we've had before oh yeah just that sounds really good and we'd be happy to do it but we'll just check that all of our band members are available and then the gig gets announced and then you say oh hang on a minute it turns out that such and such is away at that point it looks like you're pulling out of the show and really they've just jumped the gun so when you send out a worksheet to to the other bands sort of things you want to include is yeah the date the venue the lineup that's proposed so all the bands know who else is playing the order set times and everything payment perhaps you want to discuss separately and you can just put as discussed or whatever what time doors open what time loading is whether there's sound checks or not and sharing gear as well what's going yeah. to be provided if there's a backline or if someone's going to bring cabs promotion plans what you're expected to do as a band so basically on the night Everything runs smoothly because there's nothing worse than chasing up people. Or, oh, there's a sound check, but such and such isn't here. Or the, you know, the venue manager closes the back door at a particular time, and you have to load in through a crowd or something like that. So, mm -hmm. yeah, it's pretty important to let the night run smoothly from the get go. If you're in a band and you receive a worksheet for a gig, you want to make sure everyone in your band and not just you knows about it. You want to make sure everyone agrees on all the conditions and everything, and before you agree to the gig. So, if you're the promoter, you'd wait for them to respond and say, "Yep, everything's good with that worksheet." Or Oh, I thought we were playing at this time instead of this or whatever. And so you need to nut out all those things. Um, so now all the bands have agreed to the worksheet and are all excited about the gig. The last thing you want to do before you can start announcing it is make sure you have a, a poster for the show. So in our case, this Friday we designed our own poster. Well, our guitarist Dicey, who... Um, turned 40. Turned 40. is becoming a bit of a gun on the old design platforms. He made that one up. He should after all these years. Yeah, it's only taken him 40 years to get good at it, but now he dominates. Need a poster done, get in touch with him. If you can't do it yourself, it's not too hard to figure out how to, you know, put a band picture on paint and then paste some logos on top of it. Just make sure it looks good, it's eye-catching, uh, it's easy to read so everyone knows what bands are playing, everyone knows what the gig's for, you know, is it a CD launch or is it whatever, do you get anything free when you come, what the venue is, what time it opens, how much it costs, blah, blah, blah. If you're allowed to come at the venue. Yeah, if there's um, tissues provided for coming uh, patrons. And if you're in a black metal band, maybe you don't want it like that, you want just plain black and white with unreadable logos. That could be the whole draw card for some people. But just think about it from the punter's perspective and why they would want to come to a show, make it enticing for people and blah, blah, blah. From the trunter's perspective... From the Trunter's perspective, you might want to show some scrotums on the poster, uh, some browns being spread apart. Oops. Also <clears throat> want it in good quality because you're going to use this for online, you're going to put it on Facebook and blah, 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 all that stuff, but um, you're also going to preferably print them out. You have some posters to put around the place and flyers to hand out. So Yeah, that is a big thing too. Mm. Like You don't want to just design a 
poster that just goes out on the internet and I'll check out this gig online, uh, you sort of need to still get it out on the street. Um, You don't need too many, but a run of 50 is usually pretty good just for some regular spots in Perth for us anywhere really in your local area just to get their awareness up a lot of the time when people say, oh, you're playing a band and you tell them the band name, they go, oh, I've seen your poster around before, I never heard you, but... The fact that people who don't know who you are um, recognise the name of your band, then people who do listen to music should hopefully rock up to your shows. That's it. And even in this day and age when everyone's all over the internet, you still get your people out there who prefer the traditional methods. You know, they still go to the shops and buy CDs, so they like to go there and find out about local gigs. And even street press and stuff like that doesn't get used enough these days, yeah, I don't think. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, you want to across as many different media avenues as you can because all sorts of people you know find out about things different ways and so this has led anyway to our step five point which is announcing and promoting so i like to i think it's best to have an actual date that you're going to announce the show and everyone knows what's happening you don't want to quickly announce it without any of the bands knowing or anything so and it's yeah it's the sort of thing where you can even get in touch with you know music websites and radio stations and say we're announcing this gig on this date can you plug it for us from then and then when it is announced, it makes this massive impact and everyone hears about this gig from all sorts of places. And, uh, yeah, you've got yourself a gig coming up now, so that's the exciting bit. And then, yeah, between then and when the gig is, uh, encourage all the other bands to help you out as well. Add it to their Facebooks and their Twitters and shit and make sure they help you hand out flyers at all the other upcoming local shows um, so that, yeah, you know you want to attract people that are coming to shows already. Give them flyers so they come to more. Um, But, yeah, you also want to approach people that don't go to local shows. You want to get in touch with them via whichever methods work the best. Yeah, even the old text message that you Mm. used to do to your mates or... I still do that. If someone's bored on the weekend... text for the gigs. Yeah, definitely say, um, you know, oh, why don't you come down and see my band? And then even if they don't like music... Yeah, like they can come down and have a few drinks and, you know, they might like to check out some stuff. And I... I think, um, like, I personally and I know a lot of other people get really frustrated and annoyed with Facebook promotions. Um, So from five different people in the same band are emailing you the same thing and it can be really annoying. I just delete it without even reading it half the time. Yeah, and it's not just bands. Text message, um, flyers, even just talking about it on your status update instead of actually forwarding all these invites is way better. Um, yeah. Also, like handing out flyers, you can actually talk to people. If, if someone's interested in looking at the flyer, then they'll stay and chat to you and say, well, what is this gig and yeah. why would I come? And Yeah, you know. I was at the merch desk the other day and a guy comes up and there were free CDs available. And so he went and grabbed one of them and then actually perused the flyers just to see what was coming up. So people do appreciate that kind of stuff. You know, if you want music, everyone's using Facebook for everything, so... You know, flyers is a great way to just say this is a gig, not anything else. Yeah. And for ourselves, for this gig, I thought something interesting we did was um, advertising that everyone that comes gets a free sticker and a free CD upon entry. So you really want to encourage people to come along and give them a reason and and show them that you appreciate their attendance. Yeah. And previous shows, we've made them, given them other incentives like dressing up or having prizes or birthdays or... Yeah. Make it different. You know, you don't want your gig to just get lost in the hounds of gigs out there. Really make it stand out and and just let people know that, yeah, your shows are always going to be fun and different and you really appreciate having people there. They're practicing the crap out of it, getting really good, better than, better than uh, Satriani and Malmsteen having sex. You'd have to play even better than that. That's pretty good. That's a lot of hair. Yeah. Well, on Malmsteen's side anyway. That's it. Imagine Joe Satriani's pubes have lots of hair. I reckon he would shave his pubes. Malmsteen has shaved. Oh, no, opposite. Oh, really? Yeah. 
Shower, not a grower of hair. <laughs> Shower, not a grower. That's good. I've never heard of that before. Me either. And you use it a lot. Did we practice much this time before? This no, week? we didn't. And that was to my detriment, I think. I practiced heats for the recording, and so I thought I was all tip top. And then we got into the rehearsal room, and I thought, oh shit, there's a few things I need to nut out. So after busting a couple of nuts, mm-hmm. I yeah thought I was in decent shape. Mm. But yeah, had a few hitches on the night because I didn't, you know, adjust my drums to the way I actually play them normally and yeah found myself mid-set in breaks fixing up gear and stuff and that was a real pain so yeah, yeah. just being on top of all that kind of stuff yeah we did do a couple of rehearsals but I think, yeah uh, as a band we were well rehearsed but yeah just you got to make sure you're on top of your gear I know Cabba was um installing strap locks during the week <laughs> making sure everything ran smoothly borrowed a tuner etc for make sure his guitar rig was running smooth and I was kind of the opposite where I really should have serviced my pedals and didn't. So, yeah, <laughs> it's, it shows putting in effort really makes the night run smooth. Yeah. I think with the recording coming up, we're all sort of practising a little bit more probably by ourselves rather than as a band. So I think, yeah, to maximise it, you really want to be practising by yourself in your spare time but then also with the band in a rehearsal studio. You know, at least weekly. a few times before the gig, weekly even, would yeah. be best. Not only is it good for the band to rehearse, but it's just, it, it is just fun. Like, that's why we do it. So gigs are cool, but also rehearsals are just as fun as gigging. And, of course, rehearsing for the recording is rehearsing new songs. <laughs> and yeah. we only play a couple of them anyway. Yeah, so that's, that's another thing I found. I kind of had to relearn all my parts or just remember them. Well, our step seven was, um, yeah, another thing you have to think about in the lead up to your event is to organise some merch to be able to sell at the gig. Um, so it's one of the best revenue raises at shows. You need to work out the best ways you can make money. Not that it's about money or anything, but you do want to make some coin to cover your expenses and, and make it worthwhile, you know. And it's a promotional tool. And it's a promotional tool, yeah. So if you get a whole pile of T-shirts and things with your band logo on it, um, yeah, but if people, you know, it's the best time when you're playing and your merchandise is there, they, they enjoy what they saw, then they'll want to support you, so they'll go and buy your T-shirts wear them out and then you know their friends in the public will say oh what's that crazy shirt you're wearing they'll say that's this awesome shirt i got on the weekend from a band called claim the throne i read their bludge i read their bludge and it's the best sort of promotion you can get word of mouth and that sort of stuff get merch and of course um, bring many copies of your latest cd because you know if people don't get it at the gig then chances are they might just download it when they're home or whatever if they're there they enjoyed it you were nice and they want to support you they'll say oh sweet there's their cd there's their shirt let's go get it and you don't need tons of items just just a couple of things is good enough like someone wearing a t-shirt and someone listening to your music passing it on to their friends works pretty well Mm-hmm. And, and having good deals as well. Yeah, you know? yeah. Like throwing in a sticker with a, sh- a shirt, you know, if they're nice and yeah. that sort of thing. Or yeah. buy three items and get $5 off your order or whatever. Yeah, a lot of, of stuff. a lot of time with merch because it costs, it's a big um, outlay to get some merch done. Let's say a run of shirts could cost you 500 bucks, 1000 bucks, something like that. People always want to capitalise and get the money back sooner rather than later. But if the shirt's only costing you 5 $7 per unit to make, you know, only making a little bit of money each time, people are more encouraged to buy if things are cheaper. So you will make the money back if you sell the shirts because why would you even buy all those shirts to sell? if you didn't plan on selling all of them if you wanted to make the money back only selling half of them you're kind of not backing yourself so we always seem to do cheaper shirts just to kind of get them out there i'd rather see someone wearing a shirt and make a dollar which is enough to do another run of shirts you've got a dollar block 
Yeah, exactly. We need a dollar. Sometimes the merch stand is like hidden away and people don't even know that you have it. So don't be shy to go up to the exit of the venue when people are leaving, holding up your CDs and yelling out 10 bucks for Clean the Throne CDs. We've done that many times, especially on tour. Yeah, on tour um, it works well. really works out and people see that you're making the effort and they get to see the actual band members there and they're like, wow, cool, let's give these guys five bucks and I'll take a CD. Yeah, and it's not, yeah, it's not much and those people show their friends, yeah. so I'm happy with that. And they, they'll really remember you that way. They'll be like, oh, that was that really cool band that the band members came and chatted to us or whatever and sold us a CD and signed it in their own cum. And we've, <laughs> and we've sold them on stage as well, haven't we? Or given them away with prizes yeah. when we've done raffles or whatever. Yeah. Sure. Anyway, we're the coolest band, apparently. I was thinking Sounds of this like idea. Just tell me if this is really stupid. Having, like, a tip jar on your merch stand. <laughs> if people don't even want to buy, like, your shirts That's or whatever, they idea. might just chuck their spare change in your tip jar. Hmm. Well, I watched a... Porn? <laughs> Prawn? A no, I watched a presentation by Amanda Palmer and she was mm. talking about how she pretty much doesn't get people to buy her CDs anymore. She just asks her fans for whatever they can afford to donate and that's how yeah. she makes her money. But then how do they hear her music? Um, well, they download it for free. But how do but they know about it? How, oh. well, she just um, promotes herself and makes like podcasts and YouTube clips and on her Facebook and her Twitter, mm -hmm. she, she just puts the message out there and they donate and she made up to, you know, 10,000 or something just randomly. It's pretty good. Pretty crazy. You should watch it. Uh, on the flip side of that, there's um, Owen, who we mentioned before, who does the Point Breakdown. He just, he makes it all at home, chucks it online for free. But when you buy it off his Bandcamp, it's either completely free and if you want to at the time, you can opt to give money to it, yeah, like yeah. whatever you want. Yeah. And the other side of that is that Radiohead did that and made, and Nine Inch Nails as well. Really? Yeah, yeah she's, and they made, made a she's made a lot of money from of that, money. just for yeah. that. Because she, you know, people are going to download your music illegally yeah. and, we'll search, you know, we can't yeah. eventually, <laughs> it's going to be like that, you know. It is every, like that. Well, exactly. Yeah, so. so, you know, and people want to donate, real fans that really appreciate your music and like you, want to offer you know, whatever they can. And as much as we've been giving Amos Polgay shit tonight, <laughs> um, he is one of our biggest supporters of merch. On that note, you can head to claimthrone.net and go to the Tip Us tab and give us a donation because you're really nice. And, yeah, we've also got all our merchandise uh, up on bigcartel.com slash claimthrone or whatever it is. It's at www.claimthrone.com. Hey, and, and you know what an interesting thing is, is yeah. that this claimthrone.net is actually our blodgecast so podge blodge page and on each individual week or each article we put up there you can comment on it and rather than it going through the whole filter of facebook with every person in the world commenting and all that crap it's just us so you can comment amongst yourselves on there and we will actually get the emails straight out and all that and from there you can link to other social media kind of sites but yeah you can actually get one-on-one -on -one interaction with us that way which is kind of cool super cool man we're nearly finished this gig talk at the moment which has um, gone on for ages i gotta yeah. say yeah so just another thing we smashed through quickly was it's um anal licking make sure you have the appropriate staff at your venue um some venues don't even provide sound engineers so make sure you've got a sound engineer a lighting engineer someone at the door to take the money as people come in Someone to sell merch if you're not going to do it yourself, which you should do it yourself, you lazy sods. Best to check up because on the night you don't want to be... I know people who do the door will often charge 50 bucks to sit on the door a night or you can get one of your friends or something like that to do it and they'll do it for free. But there are some venues definitely who don't provide that and 
when you have to provide it, that means you're providing the float as well, and that's a pretty big deal because if someone comes in with a fifty dollar note and wants change, you're kind of screwed if you got no change. Yeah, great point. So yeah, and yeah, number nine and ten is play and leave a good impression. So yeah, after all that, you've finally found the time to be on stage. Um, so play really good, uh, be energetic, be I don't know, just look good, look like you enjoy it, which I'm sure you will. Get along keep with your it band, professional. And keep it professional. Yeah, Make yeah. sure everyone's in the band is excited about it. And and professional doesn't mean you can't spew up and wee in a pint glass on stage. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't mean it doesn't mean you have to get along with everybody. The only time we'll get in a bit of a barney is after like four days on <laughs> tour. Stash. Yeah, when everyone's you know, hung over and feeling like absolute shit, needs some time in the bed to have some sleep and some rest. So Everyone's um, getting annoyed that Jim is still not tired. Yeah, I know. Five <laughs> days of not sleeping. Yeah, hasn't eaten for nine days or <laughs> slept for seven. And still laughing and trying to show you Too videos on YouTube of like... Walking around like yeah, a trail sweeping or... Uh, Hanna-Barbera characters. Yeah, or like gridiron with um, overdubbing <laughs> voices. <laughs> Uh, anyway, one thing that works well for us on stage is um, talking between songs as well. Like sometimes it's cool to link a few songs up and look hell pro, but then you want to make sure you know you thank the crowd and you thank the sound guy and you thank the venue and you tell people you to thank buy each your other. merch. You thank each other. You make out with other band members. We've always had really good um, responses from the audiences afterwards, saying we look like we're having so much fun, and yeah. you know that's what it's about. And then when you finish, yeah, shake hands with people down the front. Um, if you notice people that were watching your whole set, then find them afterwards and shake their hand and say thanks, appreciate it. Uh, thank the venue, clean up, don't be a dick generally because you want to book this venue again and they're not going to have you back if you're an arsehole. So just, yeah, respect people and, and have fun and, yeah, be good boys and girls. On that note, Ash needs to do one wee and get a drink. Let's so... cross swords. We'll edit this, so we'll be back in one second. No, I'll keep talking. You guys get pissed. Oh, <laughs> I'm editing that. <laughs> anyway, welcome back to the uh, Claim the Throne Blodgy. Uh, this is going to be our segment, um, just to break it up a bit before any too much more serious, boring talk. Um, this is where we like to get uh, people on the social media world to ask us questions or give us topics to talk about. And we've just posted a bit of a status saying we're on now. Yeah, we've got an interesting comment from our pal Sally Ridgeway. Cabba, can you tell me the story about eating a frozen sausage roll? That's my favourite. The thing is, <laughs> I have no idea what that even means. You probably so ate a, a frozen of ours. sausage roll. Well, I asked her, I said, what happened with a frozen sausage roll? And she said, it's just about how you woke up with a frozen sausage roll in your chest. <laughs> I really don't remember that, but um, I was thinking I could exchange that one with another story if you wanted, Sally. And that was from when um, I was real drunk one night coming home from a pub and, um, yeah, don't know what happened anyway, but woke up in the morning and my whole bedroom was just saturated with water, like all over the posters on the wall, like water puddles on the floor, everything. And the thing is, I'm the sort of guy that does piss his pants when he sleeps, when he's drunk. <laughs> But this was not piss. This was, like, so much water everywhere. And um, so I don't know what happened. And I couldn't find any of my clothes either. And I got a call on the house phone from someone saying, Hi, uh, are you missing a mobile phone and some clothes? I was like, uh, yes, I am. And she lives a few houses down from me. And, and she said, um, she when I knocked on her door, she was like, Oh, yeah, you were lying in our yard last night and our sprinklers came on and we had to ask you to leave. And I must have taken my clothes off in her front yard, covered in water from her sprinklers. <laughs> but I still don't know how water got all through my room. Yeah, I think someone is... did it. Was anyone else staying there? No, it's just me. 
You sure like, Tony didn't do it? With no, the you must have been yeah, sopping. Obviously. You must have been sopping wet, man. I don't know. But and yeah, but how do been... I get water on the roof? <laughs> anyway, you pissed on the roof. Whatever. Um, all right, now I've got an, a question for Ash from yep. Ned Hatswell. Yeah. And that says, Ash. Well, it doesn't say Ash, but I'm asking you. Okay. Is it true you shared a studio with Robbie Moore and the Liquid Knights? That is true. Not not true as in we shared studio time with them, but uh, yeah, Robbie Moore from the band Robbie Moore and the Liquid Knights did come in, and when I say come, I mean it. There was a, <laughs> yeah, two in the morning. We spoke about come a lot on this show. <clears throat> I know. Yeah. It's pretty cummy. He came in, did he? He came into the room at about 2am with all my drums, my thousands of dollars worth of drums set up, and I thought, who is this bum who's about to steal all my gear? And he's like, hey, mate, you recording? And I went, yeah, I am recording. And yeah, by the way, vintage marks everywhere. So yeah, I didn't really want any homeless coming in the room, especially coming. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, he was asking me about my kit, blah, blah, blah. Turns out he knew the engineer who ran the place and um, yeah, broke into this story and gave me a um, double disc of the entire works of Robbie Moore and the Liquid Knights spanning 20 years. Took a piss on the ground, hmm. uh, just walked off the balcony one step really? and pissed where the dog sleeps. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> and then he was telling me all these things about... Um, how he wants to get into printing and asking me what I do. and Would Robbie Moore be listening to this? I don't know, but... No, um, he won't. Can I just say one thing about Robbie Moore from Robbie Moore and the Liquid Knights? Yeah. Um, yeah. The front cover of one of his CDs was so funny. It just had four people's faces, like, cut out in paint and just pasted in over, like, a yellow background, <laughs> like, his friends or whatever. And the engineer who did it apparently told his him, face. like, oh, this cover is not very good, Robbie. And he was got like, angry, got so angry, and took his this guy's head off the front cover and replaced it with like some Japanese whore. Yeah, yeah, it was an actual prostitute. <laughs> no, it was his Japanese whore, though, the one that he used yeah, to no, go no. to all the time. No, it didn't go. Uh, well, maybe he did, but that's what he said. No, either this, way, very get funny. this. He has a song called "Driver for the Girls," and that's because he <laughs> used to drive the prostitutes to their locations, and so it was probably one of the girls he used to drive. And anyway, God, so this So we replaced guy. the sound engineer. So you can go to liquidnights.com.au, I think, and you can probably get hold of some music off there. And it's um, <laughs> so pretty are we, funny. Are we promoting him or are we giving him shit? Um, who cares? Him. It's the same thing. Either way. Self, um, self yeah, thanks shitting. for the question, Ned. Uh, we're going to go to Mr. Fabian, who's asking us if we're going to go to Europe anytime soon. I freaking hope so, eh? Yeah, me too. I really do hope so. Last year we went to the UK. That was really good. Um, and yeah, I mean, with a new album out this year, we are going to be working our butts off to do as much as we can uh, touring-wise. I'd say uh, if we if we don't actually get on a tour, an actual tour that's happening, we will probably just try and book our own. I'd like to think so. I mean, it's... Coming from the other side of the world, it's not as simple as just, you know, getting one show booked and heading out and, and going on, getting on the road. It costs us $2,000 per band member to return flights there and back, plus accommodation and transport and blah, blah, blah. So that's, you know, we're looking at $20,000 pretty much straight out. Yeah, I mean, we need shows when we get there and try and get a record label to put our names forward for festivals and things, or we need a, a good contact in the gig promotion world who can get us on some lineups. Um, but alternatively, if all else fails, then I guess we'll be looking at booking our own shows at some point. Um, so if you know any promoters over in Europe or if you have any friends in bands who are putting on gigs, put our name for it and we'll, we're keen on hearing anything. I say we put on a fundraiser for fans overseas. <laughs> sausage, if they want us, if, they want us <laughs> if you want to see us over there, please 
go to the tipping. Well, that's the tip jar, yeah. yeah. So they, they fly to Perth, put money in our tip jar. No, so no, no. Not at the gig. Oh, right. Yeah, www.claimthrown.net. We would really, really love to play over there. If we played shows like club shows to like 150, 200 capacity, that would be pretty cool. That would be essentially like playing a local show here, which would be quite awesome. And um, yeah, I don't see why we wouldn't do something like that. But the first things first is get the album out try and get some distribution overseas and then things are a lot easier at that point you're a great example is that parkway drive dvd yeah they, um you know before parkway drive were big they had this drive and they just went over to europe with no gigs planned and just played whatever they could playing to you know five payers and things did that for a few months and living on the, on the streets and sleeping on the road but now look yeah. where they are you know it paid off for them and so sometimes you just got to do what well, that's in your hard work. Do what you can. That is hard work, and then we're not really in the position for that at the moment because we all work full time. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's not. But it's not could... that simple. I wish we'd done it five years ago. Yeah. 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 When we're all a lot younger than forty, Dyson. But mm-hmm. yeah. All right, I've got a question for Jesse from Tim Clifford. Mm-hmm. How much wheels and grease did the band put into this new album? Uh, a lot of wheels and grease, actually, Tim Clifford. Well, how many wheels and <laughs> what capacity of grease? <laughs> how many wheels? Uh, I'd say at least 200. 200 wheels? Well, some, well, to be honest, the history of this recording goes back to the very wheels that Tim's talking about. So, so like a wheel a day? Well, a wheel as in a farthing wheel. Oh, <laughs> right. So. Hey, it's my question, Ash. Yeah, yeah, go yeah. for it then. Way to take over. Well, I just wanted to say that, you know, we have been writing for over a year. I've been working on the songs myself. Dyson has also been putting in riffs. Jim as well, while he's been working away, slaving away to make a lot more money, <laughs> much more than all of us. You can pay for it. And Ash sure. also has been putting in a lot of effort at home, I've really seen late nights. Everywhere from Ash, so a lot of grease. grease on the floor. A lot, a lot way. of grease, and you know, some it's, wheels. It's going to well. pay off. Yeah. It's going to be. I'll, we'll all be very, very proud. Put it, of put it this way, work. Tim. It's a good team effort. Yeah, if you're. If you're some kind of a diesel mechanic, I think you'll have your hands full with this album. There's yeah, a lot to listen definitely. to. Um, so, next question. Next question. Um, oh, this is more of a, a statement, question. I yeah, guess. A statement from our pal Ollie, who used to be the guitarist in Clayton the Throne um, on Only the Brave Return and Tales, And pretty much the true personality of the band, from what the band has become, is pretty much from Ollie's brain. And he said, Fraulein Oldox just popped into my head. Man, I laughed so hard. Froline Oldox is a character from Only the Brave Return. We had some of the most retarded characters in that book. I don't know if any of you guys have read it, but it's very funny. If you, you know, don't go into it expecting to be reading Game of Thrones or anything, expect to have a laugh. Just some of the names that we've used in that book are pretty funny. Just like, yeah, me and Ollie used to work together many years ago, and, um, yeah, we'd just make up weird words and write them on each other's desks. And then we'd turn them into characters and towns and stuff. So yeah, Froling Oldox, I can't even remember who that was in the book, what he did. I think he was friends with Humdul Havanti and Homday Humdon. <laughs> <laughs> and a good thing about Ollie too is that even for this album, just sending him what we've had as a concept and, and that kind of thing and song titles and everything, and he's always very keen and has a good spin on things. So in a way, still quite an integral member of the uh, of the band. Mm. As such, and we should have him on actually for a Skype conversation. We do miss the crap out of him. He used to do some seriously good stuff. Like, oh man, to name a couple of things, I would say he snorted pepper once. 
No, oh, yeah, he vomited I was off the balcony for five bucks. But yeah, I didn't give bucks. it to him. Oh, he didn't even. You own no, no, five I, bucks. No, I think I offered it to him. I, I would have definitely bought it. him a drink. He used to wear a cloak on stage, which was fantastic. Yeah, that's He was good. up for anything. We dressed him as a Christmas tree once at a Christmas gig. Yeah. yeah. Covered him in actual branches and masking tape, <laughs> and he wore it the whole gig. Yeah, the great thing about Ollie is that he used to ring me or message me late at night when he was working crazy night shift and I'd meet him at Kings Park for cigarettes and chat for about 10 minutes and he had more keys, like thousands of keys for alarms for buildings in the city. It was really know, He would love to be a locksmith, I reckon. (laughs) Yeah, probably. Or a blacksmith. Either, a blacksmith. Any sort of smith. Or the smith. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, we should... Right, we're done with Let's Facebook. On. No one asked any more questions. 13 people liked it but didn't actually ask a question. So next week, you suckers should say something. I read their bludge. And we're black. And the whole point of starting this podcast was pretty much to walk you guys through uh, the whole album recording process. And, yeah, like last podcast we spoke about, the drums had been tracked and everything. Um, the last week or so, Ash has been covering himself in Greece to uh, work on on editing the drums up before we start smashing out the guitar tracking this week, which we're pretty pumped about. How you been going, Ash? Yeah, pretty good. It's been a little bit uh, challenging because there was everything was tracked to tape, so we've got, let's say, five versions of every song and just, yeah, just chopping together the best bits. But, uh, yeah, we're just about to start tracking guitars. We've put it off a little bit more because Dicey's gone overseas and Jim's been away. The three of them are getting together to on the Easter weekend to start well, tracking. We're all getting together. Well, we all are, but these guys are going to be the ones tracking. And um, Still got some songs to learn. Huh? Still got some songs to learn. Shit. And oh. how we're kind of doing it, that's kind of interesting, is um, Jesse will be getting food and drinks for everyone. I'll be oh, also I providing drinks. Yeah, oh, yeah, because awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so Jesse I'll and I'll be involved on a wench. service level. Um, and then the three of these guys are just basically going to pick who's who wrote the part, who's going to play the part and who's best at the part kind of thing. And we're just going to smash out all the guitars in one long Easter weekend. So probably going to listen to heaps of vital remains and celebrate Christ's (laughs) birth and death and uh, all that kind of stuff. So do you think it would be the sort of thing where like... Maybe I would do some rhythm, Dicey would do some fast rhythm and Jim would do some lead. That sort of thing. Definitely, definitely. And they're probably topless waitering. Waitressing. Yeah. No, I was going to do all the parts, and then mm. if you guys do it better, then we'll use those. But We're going to use MIDI and keyboards for most of the guitar leads, because everyone in this band it sucks sounds, at guitar. It sounds oh, way yeah, better yeah. on keyboards. Definitely sounds better. Get over yourself, guys. <laughs> One of the things I do is called pressing record, and um, <laughs> so this will hopefully cover the vast majority, because we'll also be doing bass, which will hopefully be done by Jim solely yeah then we can move on to other things because yeah we're all sort of pretty stoked to get to vocals to be honest yeah that's where it and really keyboards. starts getting super fun i mean not that any of the yeah. rest is not enjoyable we're doing some interesting stuff with the keyboards we're going to be recording a real piano this time two Jessie's real got, pianos actually yeah jesse's got a couple of upright pianos that are getting tuned up and um they'll be sounding pretty cool so mm. some different stuff this time percussion and included Real violin, apparently. Viola and Viola. violin. Two cello, violins, perhaps. viola and cello parts. Yeah, a lot of stuff, but being one step at a time, that'll probably be towards the end of the guitars and just the actual keyboards themselves, the synth parts. So, mm. yeah, a lot going on. There's so much to do. So We are looking at about probably an August release date, but we look to have it all finished tracking over the next sort of month or mm. so. Uh, yeah, probably should mention we've, um, we were chatting to Al Smith from Begurk about mastering the album and... Um, 
Yeah, in our chats, we kind of decided that he was well within our budget for mastering, so we're actually going to get him to mix the album too. So we will do as much tracking and editing as we can at home, and then we'll pass it on to Al for some sculpting and some awesome awesome mixing he has a really good butt so there's no doubting that it will sound good after it's been up there yeah he's also a really good friend and mentor as well and yeah know, he knows us really well he's very it's, supportive oh, and I'm, I'm blushing with you guys saying this stuff it's so nice he's, got, he's got a really good sense of humor as well pleasant. so yeah he can do it. used us. to call him dr sexy owl didn't you did i no wasn't it alien something or other dr alien name. smith Is oh, it, oh, that's oliver smith name. maybe he's oliver a blacksmith Maybe he's Oliver. <laughs> Maybe he's actually old. Yeah, they're, both yeah, bald. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're both bald. They're both bald, yeah. They're both bald. They're both bald and old. Yeah. And they both love coffee and cigarettes. Mm. Rollies. Champion yeah, right. Ruby. I didn't know Alice. So they're pretty much the same person. Yeah, oh, well, he yeah, only smokes during tracking and stuff. Yeah. Who doesn't? Come hey, on. Hey, come on. We need to have a cigarette break. Ah, uh, stuck of a laser. Yeah, so we're going to send the, the raw tracks to Al probably at the start of June. That's the proposed date at the moment. And then... He's going to do a couple of days at his new mastering facility in the hills of Perth and then another, well, mixing and mastering facility, and then another day we're going into Begurk, which will be right at the end of June. And, um, yeah, we might be one of the last bands in the actual east, uh, what is it, Great Eastern Highway premises of um, Begurk Studios well, before he moves into mixing and mastering full-time in the hills. So... Yeah, kind of cool for us and nice rounding out our recording, etc. So, yeah, pretty cool. We're excited. Sweet. Any other housekeeping of Clean Throne news at the moment? I guess uh, we've just got the next shows are in... coming up. Yeah, video clip we're going to be recording in May. So we Cradle of Filth support. Cradle of Filth, same weekend. And that's our next show as well in Metro, Metro's Fremantle. So if you have any ideas for what should be in our video clip, definitely let us know. Respond to this uh, thread on Clean Throne. The... Net, I can't. That's talk, actually eh? a really good idea. If yeah, you have so any ideas, please. We're trying a few ideas, but we're really dumb, and what we think is funny is generally not funny. Why no Yeah, one we're laughs. trying to make Jim laugh more than anything. Yeah, so, which is surprisingly easy. Just put Scooby Doo in there, and you're right. Yeah, it's it. <laughs> So that's very soon, and uh, yeah, that'll probably be the first chance you get to hear a new song when a video clip comes out. So get excited for that, people. And yeah, we'll see you in May at Metropolis Fremantle with Cradle of Filth. Um, if your band wants to support that same gig, you can get online and register uh, to be a support act as well. So don't mess around. Get on top of that. Um, and that's, Other than that, we'll probably be yeah. doing this mid-guitar tracking. That's it. You'll see us. We? You'll hear us here next Sunday. Um, and, yeah, we'll tell you exactly what's going on in the studio. We would have recorded some guitar by then. Maybe you can even hear some if you're lucky. Yeah, maybe we'll put a snippet in. And you'll hear comments from one Dyson Dicey Dyson, yeah. who is now 40 and counting. And uh, Jim the Puppy Parker, who will no doubt be sweeping into the mic via his mouth. He'll certainly be trashed as well next Sunday, I dare say. If he's not drunk, he's out of the band. Yeah. So, yeah, anything you want us to talk about next week, if there's something you want to know about guitar recording or what Jim's drinking or how old Dicey looks. Or what we're all wearing or... Yeah. Or how many times sleet has sprayed my face. Mm. Or how much grease is in the room, then just get in touch and, uh, yeah, we won't hesitate to chat about it. So, yeah, we'll be black then. Thanks very much for listening again. I'm Cabba. I'm Ash. I'm Jesse. And we are Claim the Throne on the Blodgecast. I read the Blodge.